Hello and welcome to our newest episode of True Wisdom, where Andrew and I dig deep into God's Word and uncover truths that are very hidden. They're there for all to find and to see. Welcome, Andrew. Greetings, Robert. And so, as we start each and every episode, Andrew and I talk about why we search for true wisdom in God's Word. We search for true wisdom because there are many promises about wisdom in the Bible. One of them is found in Proverbs 24, verse 14. It says, So shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul. When thou hast found it, then there shall be a reward, and thy expectation shall not be cut off. Okay? We, we want wisdom. We need wisdom. Because it is God that grants unto us wisdom, and he grants it to us so that we can um, be blessed, be profited by it. And he grants it to us so that we can help other people to become wise. Our verse for, um, for this podcast is uh, Proverbs 9, 9, and 10. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 9, 9, and 10. Oh, excellent. So I'll go ahead and start with prayer, and then we can get into the lesson. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity once again to study your word. Please be with us. Bless not just what we read, but what we understand and what we can explain to the listeners. Be with the listeners as well that they will have greater understanding because of the words you've put in our mouths. Amen. Amen. So, what is the lesson for today? We're going to do a story again. We're going to do another story. And uh, I think the title of this story will be False Pretenses. False Pretenses. Um, Turn to 2 Kings chapter 10. We have, uh, we have a lot of different types of lessons in the Bible. A lot of them are stories, and we focus on the stories here because there are things we often miss in the stories. But um, in a few of our upcoming episodes, we're going we're gonna to look at prophecy as well. Um, this one has prophets in it, but it's not about prophecy. Second Kings 10. And we're not going to start at verse 1 because it's a long chapter. <coughs> Longish, but we're going to start. We're going to start at verse. Let's start at verse fifteen. This will give us um, some context here. Okay. The person who we're talking about, the person who we're talking about, is Jehu. That won't become evident right away but um, it's Jehu, okay? The star of this chapter. All right. So we're at 2 Kings 10, starting at verse 15. Mm -hmm. Starting at 15. And when he was departed thence, he lighted on Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, coming to meet him. And he saluted him and said to him, Is thine heart right? as my heart is with thy heart? And Jehonadab answered, It is. If it be, give me thine hand. 
And he gave him his hand, and he took him up, and he took him up to him into the chariot. And he okay. said... Let's, let's, <laughs> mm-hmm. let's stop there for a second. Um, uh, we're stopping here just to deal with uh, the nuances of the King James. You see this in other scriptures. But um, you know, do you see what they did in the last half of this of this verse? Yes, it, it it did get to a confusing part because Jehonadab mm-hmm. answered, it is. Mm-hmm. And then the next sentence, if it be, give me thy hand. And that, mm-hmm. that sort of points closer to um, the first gentleman. Yeah, it does, right? So, um, this is another one of those places where when you get to the end of the verse, you, you come back, um, or even the next verse, it helps, you come back and you can, it, it, you can evaluate what just happened here. What, for whatever reason, and I think some of these things are in the Bible like this on purpose, because there's nothing significant here if you get, who, if you get the who wrong, but the Lord allows us to see that sometimes the way you're given the information, you have to deduce things from that information. So it said, he said to, to Jehonadab, going to recap, such and such. And Jehonadab answered him, such and such. And then he, they go on with the conversation, but they don't say who's speaking, but it's ultimate. So Jehonadab says, it is. Jehu says, if it be, give me thine hand. And so Jehonadab, Jehonadab gave him his hand, and Jehu took Jehonadab up to Jehu in the chariot. Now, to be fair, when we started mm-hmm. this, it doesn't say who the original he was. That's from verse 13. So we never said, Correct. we never stated it was no, Jehu. I, that's, well, that's why I said Jehu's the star of this chapter. I said, right. we're going to start, and the first person they're speaking about is Jehu. Right. So yeah, that's that's why I prefaced it that way. All right. Okay, but but still, if if you read verse thirteen, it doesn't make it doesn't make fifteen much easier. Right. It's still uh, not clear. So who one of those? Yeah, it's not. Okay. So Jehu's in a chariot, and um, and so he he met Jehonadab, and he calls him into the into the chariot with him. So in verse sixteen, it says, "And he," and this would be Jehu. And he mm-hmm. said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So they made Pay him. Attention to that verse. Mm-hmm. See my that verse. zeal for the Lord. So they made mm-hmm. him ride in his chariot. The him would be mm-hmm. Jehonadab, and the his chariot yes. would be Jehu. And right. when he came to Samaria, he slew all that remained unto Ahab in Samaria, till he had destroyed him according to the saying of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. And Jehu gathered all the people together and said unto them, Ahab served Baal a little, but Jehu shall serve him much. That's a twist. Okay. So we have verse 16 and we have verse 18. That's a quick twist. Quick just being Mm -hmm. in the number of chapters, obviously. If he took that much time, he... To salute, to slay all of Ahab's remaining people, it couldn't be that quick. But still, that was quick. Let's see here. So, 
verse 19. Now therefore, mm-hmm. call unto me all the prophets of Baal, all his servants and all his priests. Let none be wanting, for I have a great sacrifice to do to Baal. Whosoever shall be wanting, he shall not live. But Jehu did it subtly to the intent that he might destroy the worshipers of Baal. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, this is different. Now this seems to be some subterfuge. He is, mm-hmm. His words in 18 are completely opposite to 16, and then 19 is shedding more detail mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, in verse 20, And Jehu said, Proclaim a solemn assembly for Baal. And they proclaimed it. And Jehu sent through all Israel, and all the worshippers of Baal came, so that there was not a man left that came not. And they came into the house of Baal, and the house of Baal was full from one end to another. Verse 22, And he said unto him that was over the vestry, Bring forth vestments for all vestments for all the worshippers of Baal. And he brought forth vestments. <clears throat> And Jehu went, and Jehonadab the son of Rechab, into the house of Baal, and said unto the worshippers of Baal, Search, and look that there be here with you none of the servants of the Lord, but the worshippers of Baal only. And when they went in to offer sacrifice and burnt offering, Jehu appointed fourscore men without, and said, If any of the men whom I brought into your hands escape, he that letteth him go, his life shall be for the life of him. Okay, pause a second. Pause a second. Um, if you're reading in the King James, verse 24, you will see that a good portion of the last sentence is in italics. In fact, this is how it reads without any of the italicized words. Verse 24, that is. Mm -hmm. And when they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings, Jehu appointed fourscore men without and said, any of the men whom I have brought into your hands escape his life for the life of him. Okay. Okay. Um, The the translators (laughs) uh, felt the need to help us understand if any of the men whom I have brought into your hands escape, he that letteth him go, his life shall be for the life of the escapee. Mm-hmm. So the, the translators felt like filling that in, but um, they were probably tired by now <laughs> of managing pronouns. And uh, they thought to help us only using pronouns, in course. Mm. And we're at verse 20... Uh, five. five, exactly. And it came to mm-hmm. pass, as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offerings, that Jehu said to the guard and to the captains, Go in and slay them. Let none come forth. And they smote them with the edge of the sword, and the guard and the captain cast them out, and went to the city of the house of Baal. And they brought forth the images out of the house of Baal and burned them. And they break down the image of Baal, and break down the houses of Baal, and made it a draught house unto this day. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. Okay, pause a second. Pause a second. 
let's discuss this a little. Um, verse 16 had said, come see my zeal for the Lord. Mm-hmm. There are many people who feel that as long as they do have zeal for the Lord, they can do whatever. The ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. So as long as the ends are good, whatever means you use are appropriate in their mind. Um, what's your take on that? You know, I was actually thinking about that as I read this. Um, because he told a lie. The lie was for the lie was for a specific reason, to get everybody together. Um, mm-hmm. And then he destroyed them utterly. And mm-hmm. we think about it. We're try- I'm trying to see, how do you justify? It's not my need to justify that, but how do you um, sort of equate or cover what was done by what was accomplished, because what was accomplished was significant. The Lord mm-hmm. never appreciates false uh, worship, any idol worship. It's an mm-hmm. abomination to mm-hmm. him. One of the things he despises right. the most. And there's something in the text, uh, let's see, in verse 17. Mm-hmm. It mentions that Jehu slew all that remained of Ahab in Samaria till he destroyed him, according mm-hmm. to the saying of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. So Elijah mm-hmm. was told that Ahab's family mm-hmm. would be destroyed. And then we, we know that Ahab was a big follower of Baal and caused Israel to sin. He, he and Jezebel. So mm-hmm. when you look at it from the standpoint of what God wants— Mm-hmm. It's it's less that we have to justify anything. If it's what God wants, God will be pleased with it, or God will accept it. If it's are not you, what, if but are it's, you sure that that's what God wants? Not yet, but that's why we've only read part of the story. We don't see okay. where God asked him to do this. We know that the first part. You see, the first part where all of Ahab was destroyed. It said according to the sayings of the Lord. These next set of verses. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see yet what the conclusion of that is, what God's statement will be from that. So I'm not in a position to judge until I know the whole story. Um, That's a fair position. That's a fair position. But we are given enough information to know that some bad stuff has taken place. Not the killing. The killing is not, not, I'm not suggesting the killing is fine. I'm suggesting it's not the killing that tells you for sure that something is bad, that bad has taken place. Because the killing could be punishment, right? Um, so until you know for sure if it's, um, if it's vindictive or whatever the case is, you're not going to be sure. But lying lips are an abomination. And he did this with a old face lie. And we have covered... See... Uh, when we think about Rahab, uh, mm-hmm. Rahab lied so that the spies mm-hmm. would be spared. And then right. she made a deal so that her family was covered. 
and it turned out she was a mm-hmm. she was a um, ancestor to Jesus himself. Um, okay, but she also was not an Israelite. She was a she was you know a she was a Canaanite, right? So, and she did what she thought was right. Now, does that mean? Does that mean that as long as people ostensibly don't know God, that whatever they do is okay? No, but I don't think they're held to the same standard as someone who does know God. I would, I would argue um, that that's correct. I would say, if, if nothing else, right, if nothing else, I would say it a different way. Whatever standard they're being held to, someone who knows what the right answer is, who is of Israel and knows Israel's God is held to a higher standard. You know, that reminds me, um, uh, normally we don't make the um, comparison between the Bible and a uh, television show or a cartoon or whatever. But I will say something that stood out to me for a long time is uh, there was a cartoon I had watched many, many years ago when I was younger. And it was one Mm -hmm. of those good versus evil they were playing a game, mm-hmm. and it was good versus evil. And evil was cheating. And one of the people on the good side said, well, why don't we do it? They're, they're doing it. And, you know, they said, no, we're not going to do that. They played properly, and they won. And the person, once again, complained, we could have we won earlier if we had just cheated like they did. And the, uh, the winning side told him, the minute you cheated, you would have lost. Because mm-hmm. it's not just about the end result. It's about the method. It's about what mm-hmm. you do to win. So the minute you mimic mm-hmm. evil, you are evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you cannot... It exactly. Won't, it so was, it wouldn't have been good right. versus evil. Exactly. And that's something... Whichever team won would have been evil. Exactly. And so you... Cartoon or not... What was stated was true. You cannot a valid mimic. Principle. Yeah, t- totally valid principle. You cannot mimic evil to say that that good won because good wouldn't have won. Right, and and it's one of the things that we see. Um, it's one of the things that we see that people complain about when they look at the great controversy and they say, "Why is God taking so long? Why is this so hard? Why couldn't God just do X, Y, or Z?" God cannot use any of the tactics of the enemy. His approach has to be more drawn out, more transparent, more loving, more, more loving, more patient, right? More respecting of freedom of choice. He can't do it. And this is even true in a limited sense with human justice. There are times when atrocities uh, are um, are committed, and things that everybody agrees are just plain evil. But you can't ever make an exception and say it's obvious that that was wrong. Just forego the process and punish it. You can't ever do that and decide that it's good, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Ever. Um, and so the wheels of justice sometimes take their time where the wheels of persecution are swift mm-hmm. um, because justice 
has a different agenda and a different character to um, to measure up to. Mm-hmm. Very okay. True. So now you can read twenty eight again, just so we have the emphasis and we continue to the end here. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. Howbeit from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, Jehu departed not from after them, to wit, the golden calves that were in Bethel and that were in Dan. Hmm. Jehu departed not from after them? Mm-hmm. He destroyed Baal, howbeit he followed in the sins of Jeroboam. Uh-huh. Verse 30, And the Lord said unto Jehu, Because thou hast done well in executing that which is right in mine eyes, and hast done unto the house of Ahab according to all that was in mine heart, thy children of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart, for he departed not from the sin of Jeroboam, which made Israel to sin. In those days, the Lord began to cut Israel short, and Heziel smote them in all the coast of Israel, from Jordan eastward, all to the land of Gilead, the Gadites and the Rebunites, excuse me, Reubenites, and the Manassites from Arar, which is by the river Arnon, even Gilead and Bashan. Now the rest of the acts of Jehu and all that he did and all his might are not they are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Jehu slept with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria. And Jehoahaz his son reigned in his stead. And the time that Jehu reigned over Israel in Samaria was twenty and eight years, longer than the reign of Ahab, which is twenty-two years. And yet, he did his own thing, and the Lord never struck him down. Mm-hmm. No. He because struck the Lord Israel. made a promise to him. Yeah. He made a promise to him, but as Jehu did not walk in there, he continued, the Lord allowed Aziel of, of Syria to continue to, to um, get, get to him. Yeah, I can see where this would be confusing because in one breath he's talking about his zeal for the Lord, but the rest of his life showed no zeal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely none. Oh, he, he was zealous in one area. Yeah, killing. Mm-hmm. But was it really for the Lord? Um, the Lord said so. Well, the, once again, the Lord spoke about the first part, about what he okay. did to the house of Ahab. The Lord oh, never yeah, no, no. said he me. justified but, but, the second. Well, no, the Lord absolutely does not justify the second. Um, and, and we know that he didn't because in those days the Lord began to cut Israel short. Right. Um, I don't know, but to answer the question of, he said, come see my zeal for the Lord, and he intended to show that zeal by destroying the house of Baal. And the Lord says, you executed well regarding the destruction of Ahab. Right. 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 So all of that, all of that work in getting rid of Ahab, okay. But you needed to walk in my law, and he did, and he did not. 
and uh, and his children reigned for less time than he did. It's it's. I think a lot of times we expect God to render judgment swiftly, and then when He doesn't, we're a bit surprised. Uh, but the truth is that His time is just different than ours. He's not restrained by our lifetimes like we are. And nope. he keeps his promises. So he promised that the children would reign, and they did. He promised David the same thing, um, and he did. He made promises to Rehoboam, excuse me, Jeroboam, and Jeroboam didn't follow, so he lost out. He made promises to Rehoboam too? All he asked is that people obey him. And they did not. So... What yeah, title false did you pretenses. Say? Yes, false pretenses. <laughs> and you see, good timing, eh? Yeah. You see what happens when people start from the wrong position. Jehu hurt himself because by beginning his mission with subtlety and deceit, he was setting himself up to be in rebellion against God because. Subtlety and deceit are abomination to God. Right. Right? Had he had he been like Josiah or Hezekiah or any of these brethren that had started out their mission with true zeal to God, he would have been strengthened to accomplish so much more. And he could have he could have put an end to not just Baal worship. But those two calves that that uh, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, put in place. I wonder, you know, I really, I really feel for Nebat. <laughs> I wonder if that guy was good. I get the impression that he wasn't, right? And I, I say that without sufficient evidence. This is a personal um, opinion, but I will tell you why I have it. God does not generally allow people to bring disrepute to other people that they can't control. Right? Meaning, you don't hear about Absalom, the son of David, king of Israel, Absalom, the son of David. They don't say it that much. They don't say Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, every time they mention Rehoboam. Right? They do the genealogies the way they do, which is to introduce the person so you have a frame of reference. But then that person gets to stand alone. Um, but Jeroboam, and it's not like they don't have multiple names in, in, in the Bible, right? There are people who are named the same as other people, but they don't always give their genealogy every single time. I mean, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat that made Israel the sin, this guy has a name, genealogy, and a title mm. every single time. I, I wonder what Nebat did. Mm, I'm that thinking. his name gets linked yeah. to his son's evil every single time. Yeah, I'm trying to think what other example we have of that. I don't have too many. Um, uh, the closest one would be Judas Iscariot, but even by the New Testament times, they were kind of doing um, surnames. Yeah, because it was um, Peter, Simon, Simon Peter. It right, was, um, right. um, there was a couple of others. And besides, they usually say Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. Right. Um, I, I, can't, I can't think of 
of too many times. You know, they don't they don't talk about they don't spend a lot of time saying Manasseh, king of you know, son of Hezekiah. They don't say it every single time they mention his name. It's an important consideration. I have I have looked, I haven't found any other pattern like that. Cain, son of Adam. Like mm-hmm. they, it's just not done with the with the repetition and intensity. Um which doesn't speak a lot for me, but for you, that mm-hmm. it does not. But you know, the important lessons here that we want to kind of convey: when you are doing something for anyone, but especially for God, it's got to be done on the up and up, because you're you're damaging your potential success in that mission by leveraging a spirit that God can't fully endorse. Right. Right. That's a that's a very good lesson for us here. You don't pray for the you don't pray for the um the promotion and then try to get it by gossip. Um we, right. Blackmail right. or <laughs> any of those features. Right. All right. Wonderful. Uh this is Second Kings chapter ten. So mm-hmm. thank you. Go ahead and pray us out. Okay. Um, before I pray, I just want to say, I want to remind folks that, um, and I know you're going to mention it a little bit after, but I do want to remind folks that although we're not super interested in numbers per se, we want to encourage people um, when they're on the podcast platform to definitely um, leave feedback because it encourages the platform engines to share the podcast with other people and to put it in people's recommended lists and so forth. So that dark goal is to share this thing as widely as possible for the glory of God. So if any way you can help us, that would be great. Let's have a word of prayer here. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. We thank you for the lessons in your word. We thank you for the stories that you decided to keep and to show us after all this time. We thank you, Lord, for that history. And we ask you to help us to recognize that when we are supporting you, when we are serving you, when we're doing whatever work you have for us, it has to be done as Christ would do it. It can be no subtlety, false pretenses, or anything else. Please bless us and keep us, we pray. And may this podcast go to bless others, And we ask that you will be with all of those that it reaches in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. As Andrew mentioned, um, it's great to share this, not just to hear it for yourself, but to share with others. And one of the ways, if you can't think of anyone that you can send the link to and say, hey, what do you think about this story? You can um, like. Unfortunately, likes get a bad reputation, but there's so much about the algorithm, about how often this is shared, that is developed around likes. If nobody likes it, then it will never be shared with anyone. But if you who are listening like it, it has the opportunity to be shared with someone. There's no financial gain to this. It's really just about spreading the gospel and opening dialogue more about God's word and uh, 
That's why we do this. So continue to mm -hmm. like and share. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us on Twitter at truewisdom underscore pod or through email. Uh, that's truewisdom at spaceage-llc.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you, and we pray that you will be blessed. <laughs>